Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is The Promise of Heaven and How to Get There. The promise of heaven and how to get there, or how to survive and thrive in the midst of a lot of stress and pressures. All right, we're gonna we're in actually the book of Mark, Mark fourteen, and we just went through Jesus anointing, Jesus last party, Jesus last supper. If you didn't weren't there, get get the CDs or tapes or go on the podcast. But we really saw how Jesus also predicted his death and his betrayal. His betrayal and his death. And we talked about his omniscience and omnipotence. Nothing catches Jesus by surprise. He's in total control. He's going to fulfill his purpose. Just like our life, right? Nothing catches God by surprise in our life. He's in control. Even when we make a mess, he works all things together for good. Uh, we, we know that promise. Somehow he's going to fulfill his purpose no matter what happens in our life. But then we come to, after we get through this whole part in Mark, I'm just going to read this one to you. Mark 14, 27 to 31, where Jesus says, he predicts Peter's denial. He says, you will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you will, yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. So we see the Jesus predicts Peter's denial, and we, he also predicts his resurrection, same passage, right? Now we're going to come back to this passage in a few weeks. Just hang on to that one. Keep your finger there for a few weeks. We're going to come back to that. But I want to go to a parallel passage in John, in the book of John, in John 13, where he talks about, at the end of John 13, he talks about Peter's denial. But then John goes and records more, a couple of very important foundational truths that I want to jump over to John, the parallel passage here, and go into John chapter 14. Because we're going to see that this vital teaching that Jesus follows up Peter's denial in, in the book of John is very important because he's preparing the disciples for a coming crisis. He says, one of you is a traitor. Peter's going to fail. The, you know, the top disciple, he's going to fail. And I'm going to die. What, what, look what he's telling them, right? But he's preparing them for a crisis. Is anybody here facing a crisis? Nobody? Okay, good. We can just put, shut the book up. Right. I'm kidding. We don't want any hands, right? Facing a challenge, facing a stress, facing pressures, there is encouragement today. We're going to see encouragement today. In fact, come the next four weeks in a row because we're going to just bounce through here in the book of uh, John 14 and 15 some keys to surviving and thriving no matter what we're going through, no matter what that crisis is. Let me pray before I read this passage. Father, we just pray. We thank you for the testimony of the teenagers today. We thank you for this Memorial Day, remembering those who have sacrificed. And we, as Christians, have even a deeper memorial, remembering what Jesus did for us, dying on the cross for us, rising from the dead for us, so that we could have a brand new life. We thank you for that. We pray that for your mercy and grace now as we look at this vital, vital teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, John 14, John 14, he says, do not, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. 
In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus' answer, as he just drops the bomb, I'm going to die, Peter's going to deny me, one of you is going to betray me, stab me in the back. After all that, his answer for the coming crisis is he promises heaven and he tells them how to get there. And he starts out in verse 1 where he says, do do not let your hearts be troubled. It's a command. He gives a command. It literally means stop being troubled. Stop being troubled. And the word for troubled in Greek is a word... Tarasso, and the, what it means is it's often used for a stormy sea or heaving waves. I don't know if you've ever been in the ocean when the waves are going into the storm or you've been on a boat, and that's the picture. And maybe this describes our life right now. Maybe some of you can relate to that stormy sea and the heaving waves. And Jesus gives a command he, to the disciples and to us today, stop being troubled. And then he gives them the cure for the trouble. Gives them the cure for the, the, the fear that they're having. Gives us the cure for what the anxiety we're going through. The, 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 the doubt we have in our mind. And he says, he says, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you that you also may be where I am. He focuses them. First of all, the, cure, the first part of the, the cure is... The command and then the cure. The first part is faith. He says, trust in God and me. He says, you trust in God, your father. Now trust in me too, the only son. They're, they're completely connected. Completely. In fact, look ahead. Let's look verse, verses 7 to 9 where he says, If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father that we may, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say to us, show us the Father? And we know from Scripture, over and over, John 10, 30, when Jesus said, I and the Father are one. They're two distinct people, but they make up the Godhead. When we pray to the Father, we pray through the Son, we have the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're completely connected, distinct, definitely distinct. We pray to the Father through the Son with the Spirit's help, but they're completely connected so intimately that they're one. It doesn't say in John 1, John 10, 30, we're one person. No, the word, it's a neuter in the Greek, which means they're one thing. They make up the Godhead, okay? Very important teaching. So, he says, you trust in God, now trust in me. We're completely connected. In order to survive, in order to thrive in a crisis, we must have faith. We must have faith in Jesus Christ. We have to have that faith. The first part is we have to be saved by faith. Until we are saved by faith, we can't activate the faith. We can't go to God as our Father. The first step is to be saved by faith. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We have to believe. We have to, there has to be that time where we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And we, we put our trust in him. We say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. 
He took my punishment. I believe he rose again to prove he was God's son, your son. I believe that I'm putting my faith and trust in him. The moment you pray that prayer, you become a child of God. God becomes your father. And you can talk to him anytime through the son. That's the first step. But also, not only we say by faith, but it's very important that we learn to live by faith. It's not just a prayer and then we go on waiting for heaven. No, no. It's living by faith. Very, very important. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life we live in this body, we live by faith. Just as we're saved by faith, it's very important that we learn to live by faith. Just as we trust him for our salvation and that he's going to take us to heaven someday, that he's forgiven our sins, we have to trust him also daily for everything. It's different. There's saving faith and then there's living by faith, but it's, it's connected. We have to trust him daily. We have to trust his power, now get this, and his purpose in our trials that we're facing. We have to trust his power and purpose in the trial that we're going through. So the first part of the cure is faith. The second part of the, the cure is focus. The focus. What is our focus? According to John 14, 1-4. What should we be focusing on? Heaven. Heaven. He, he says... In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Heaven. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. I grew up being taught, well, we're all going to get a mansion in heaven. You know, there's even hymns on that. You know, you're going to get your own mansion. That's not what he's teaching here. That's not what the Bible says. Sorry, you know, we're not going to get our own mansion. We're going to, God has the mansion in heaven. We're all going to get a room in that mansion. We're all going to, that's what we're going to get. We all get a room in God's house, in his very big house. The word for rooms here in in John here, is abiding places. Our reward is not this big house we're going to get. Our reward in heaven is we're going to abide with, abide with God. We're going to be right with him. That's our reward. We're gonna, the oriental culture, even now, it's very common. They, would, they have these, the wealthy ones in the oriental culture get these giant houses and they have all these different rooms and apartments where they want all the extended family to live together. That's very, very common in, in the oriental culture, even now. And, and that's what it was like in this time. And Jesus is saying, my father's got a big house and you're going to get a room there if, you've, if you have the faith in Christ, if you have faith in Jesus. We get to abide with God. That's the reward we get. Now, heaven is a mystery, but we know some things about heaven. It's going to be awesome. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. It's going to be awesome. It's, it's something we can't even grasp with our mind. First of all, it's going to be awesome because we're going to be with God. We're going to be abiding with God. Think about it. We can't imagine what God looks like. Nobody's ever been able to look at him. Because of the sin and because of our fallen nature, we can't. But in heaven, we're going to get to see God. It's going to be unbelievable. It, 
any little description in the Bible with God, the people are so blown away. They, they like look at the pavement under his feet and it's glowing. That's all they can describe. God is so, he's beyond comprehension. Probably when you first get to heaven, you say, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven and I'm going to do this and do that and talk to it. Listen, the first million years, you're just going to, whoa, there's God. First million years, but it won't seem like a million years because there's no time. It's gonna be, and finally somebody's going to shake it. Hey, we're here too. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, that's what, just, just, just God being there, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, will also be with family and friends who have put their faith in Jesus Christ before us. And a lot of other interesting people we're all going to want to talk to, right? It's going to be a wild, wild time. We have eternity to do it. Uh, Hebrews 12.1, and this is very interesting, talking about all the people who have gone before us in the faith. In Hebrews 12.1, it says something very interesting. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. But he's saying that he's just connecting Hebrews 11 with all the people in the faith that died before us. And he said we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. He uses a picture of an Olympic stadium. And, 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 the, and the picture is that they're all watching us. And there's really a very strong possibility that we may be able to, when we're in heaven, watch the events on earth. That people are watching us that have gone before us. Very, very good possibility based on this scripture. You talk about the ultimate reality TV show, right? This is what it's going to be like. We'll also have responsibilities in heaven. Jesus talks about you know, using our talents and, and giving more cities. and There's going to be responsibilities in heaven. We're going to be given fulfilling work to do. Just like in the garden, pre-fall. Work isn't because of the fall. Adam and Eve were working in the garden before the fall. It's just after the fall, that's when all the thorns grew and everything got rotten and it was by the sweat of the brow and, and it took the fun out of work. And, and work, work is a gift. It's a, it's a fun thing. I don't know if you've ever done, think of the hobby that you do. Something you really just love to do. And you do it and you just get caught up in it and you're just gone. And for anybody else, it'd be a lot of work. If you say, hey, come out and help me do this, you know, your wife or husband, I'm not going to do that. That's work. But to you, it's fulfilling. That's what work should be. And that's what it will be someday in heaven. We're going we're gonna to be energized by what we do in heaven. Um, but there's going to be something missing in heaven. Revelation 21.4 says this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Anybody going to miss that? Think that we're going to miss that? There will be no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, crying or pain. There will be no more sin or temptation or fear or evil or disease or the devil running around trying to knock us down. It, that, that, it'll all be gone. Think of the time that you were the happiest in your life. That ultimate high. Hopefully it wasn't drug-induced. But the high, your ultimate high. Think about that. That's nothing compared to heaven. And we're going to stay there. You know how you, when you're all, we're, a lot of the teens coming back from the retreat, they were, they were you know, they, I bet they're really feeling really high right now. They're just on a spiritual high. That's where we're going to live at in heaven. It's going to be constant. We're not going to be coming down and going up in you know, mountaintop valleys. It's going to just stay at the top. It's going to be awesome. In heaven, if you want to know what it's like, 
don't depend on these books and movies that are coming out. I mean, they're okay if they go along with the Bible, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but, but listen to Jesus. Somebody says, oh my gosh, this kid just went to heaven and came back, and now I feel so much better. I'm like, wah, wah. Jesus is the one you should get encouraged by. It's nice the kid had that. Hopefully it's real. He's not just making a zillion bucks off, yet, off this story. But, but and I, and I think it's encouraging. I have the heaven is for real book and all that. But that's not what encourages me. It's what Jesus says about heaven. He's been, from, he's been there. He's from there. He went back there. And he's told us how to get there ourselves. He's made a way for us. John 14, 5 and 6. In John 14, 5 and 6, we see the follow-up to when he talks about heaven. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way to get to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am. And when he says the word I am there, there's a reason why the religious leaders would get upset whenever he made a, one of these, his I am statements. The, they call the great, there's seven great I am statements in John. He's echoing Exodus 3, 14 when God said, I am who I am to Moses. And, and, he, and it's clearly what he's, he's saying here. is claim to divinity. He, there's seven great ones in the book of John. I am the bread of life. I am the Yep, I'm hearing them all. Okay, the light, uh, I'm the gate, I'm the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the vine, and now we see he's the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to do them a little out of order and come back to the, the way here in a minute. He says, I'm the truth. He says, I'm the truth. He doesn't say, I have the truth, or I know the truth. Notice that? He says, I am the truth. I am the truth. If Jesus Christ is the truth... What does it make all other religious leaders and systems out there? Not true. Not true. Either they're all true, and Jesus is, is false. Are you ready to say that? Or Jesus is true, and they're all false. You've got to make a choice. There is no other, no other option. Uh, I, when I first came here to start this church, New Hope Community Church, there was an interfaith service. I'm not going to name the church. <laughs> but uh, they, they invited me, and I went along because I was a new kid on the block, and I wanted to be part of the interfaith thing, and I went. And, oh, boy, hmm. They shouldn't have invited me, first of all. But, but second of all, the guy who ran it got up, and there was all different religions there. I don't want to call anybody out. There are a whole bunch of different ones there. And he got up, and he said, we are all just we all just have a piece of the puzzle. None of us has the truth. We all have a piece of the puzzle. And when we all take our piece of the puzzle, the Buddhists and the Muslims and the Hindus and the and Christians and, we all, and the, the Mormons, and we all take that little piece of the puzzle and we put it together, we can see what God is like. I about threw up. Right? I'm like, what? What? what are you talking about? You know? No. They're all counterfeit. And this guy claimed to be a Christian. That's what made me so upset. He wasn't a Christian. when it bothered me. But he claimed to be a Christian. No. They're all counterfeit. They're false. Only Jesus Christ is the truth. The, 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 he's the only piece of the puzzle there is. And all the other pieces are, don't fit into God's puzzle. You know? And, and it be, 
only he has the truth because he says, I am the truth. I was at a retreat years ago when I was a younger man. I was at a retreat and I was ministering at this retreat. And one of the kids came up to me after one of the sessions and said, I'm really wrestling with, I, I almost became a Buddhist. And then I came to this retreat and now I'm really wondering if Jesus, who to pick, Buddha or Jesus? He was really wrestling with this thing. And I said, listen, at the end of Buddha's life, do you know what he said? He said, I'm still looking for truth. That's what Buddha said. I'm still looking for truth. But Jesus said, I am the truth. I'm not looking. I'm here. I am the truth. Who are you going to trust? Someone who's still looking or someone who claimed to be truth? The kid accepted Christ. He saw it. The Holy Spirit was working there. There is no truth apart from Jesus Christ. It's impossible. Harvard. Any Harvard grads here? Not me. Anyway, uh, Harvard's motto originally was, this is going to come as a shock, truth for Christ and the church. Did you know that? Harvard's model, truth for Christ and the church. What is it now? Just truth. <laughs> they shortened it. Yeah. Truth, truth. And that's why now they teach their students who go to Harvard that we evolved from monkeys. Right? I mean, think about it. This is what people at Harvard teach. That's why the colleges and universities have become morally bankrupt. It's shocking. I'm not going to go into detail, but the shocking, the beliefs that they have. Shocking. Hitler was okay. Things, crazy, crazy things. And the behaviors, the behavior of the college, university students today is shocking. I grew up in a farm. It reminds me of barnyard. Barnyard animals. That's what it reminds me of. It, it, it's crazy. And they've been brainwashed. They're being brainwashed and lied to. Because without Jesus Christ, there is no truth. Without knowing God, there is no knowledge. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And if we don't know God and we don't know His Son, Jesus Christ, there's no truth and there's no knowledge. He says, Jesus says, I am the truth. He also says, I am the life. The life. We are all dead spiritually. We've been talking about that a lot recently. We're dead spiritually. Our sin has separated us from God for all eternity, now and forever. But Jesus gave his life so that we can have life. Starting the moment we put our faith. We aren't just putting our faith in Jesus to get life in heaven someday. We get the life now. The very moment you put your faith in Christ, you get a brand new life. The Holy Spirit comes in and begins the transformation process. It, it, but Jesus gave his life so that we could have life now and forever with him. Jesus is the truth. He's the life. And that's what makes him the way. He's the truth and the life. And he's the way to the Father. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. This isn't just some isolated verse. This isn't something, well, I, I, we can believe this or not. No, it's all over Scripture. John 3, 36. Whoever, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. 
That isn't what we learn in, in, in the USA today, is it? Everybody's going to heaven. Listen to Oprah, she'll tell you. Everybody's going to heaven. Only somebody really, 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 really bad would go, go to hell. Everybody's going to heaven. Except Jesus didn't say that. He said only a few find it. It's a narrow gate. A narrow gate. There's only one way. Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. We must be saved. There's only one name, and it's Jesus Christ. And this is considered politically incorrect today. This is considered intolerant. And I'm sure the devil came up with this whole intolerance thing, right? And politically incorrect. Because he's a, he's a liar and the father of lies. And this is a lie. It's okay if you claim a way, but you can't say you have the way. Otherwise you're intolerant. As long as you're sincere. As long as you're sincere, you can believe any way you want. You can worship any God any way you want to, as long as you're sincere. But listen, we can be sincerely wrong. If life has taught us anything, we can be sincerely wrong. And if we get this wrong, there are eternal consequences. Eternal. There is only one way to heaven. Are you going to heaven? Are you going to go there? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you given your life to him? Are you trusting in God's one and only son for life? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you, have you put your faith in Jesus? And if we have, are we living by faith? Are we living by that faith? Are we, are we surviving and thriving in the midst of the struggles that we're facing because we have our eyes on the prize? We have our faith and focus. Faith, living by faith and focusing on the ultimate destination. That's the key. Now listen, this is the key to surviving and thriving. Any pressures you're going through, any struggles you're going through, any crisis we're going through, the key to survive is keeping our eyes on the prize. Colossians 3, 1 to 2 says this. And this is the last verse I'm going to give you to go out with. It's a good one to memorize. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Where are our hearts and our minds set on? What are they set on? That The ultimate goal, the ultimate place, the ultimate prize? A lot of you... Kids in school and teachers too are, oh, what are you focused on right now? Summer vacation. Focus. What's getting you through the last few weeks? Teachers and kids and the parents. Oh, here we go. But anyway, we, we, we'll focus on the going back to school, back to school. But what are we focused on? Summer vacation. If you're engaged, we have some engaged couples here. If you're engaged, what are you focused on? What gets you through that temptation, you know? Oh, six more months to the honeymoon. What gets you through that wedding day and all the stress of the wedding day and all the hoops you got to jump through? You know, I always go up to the couples halfway through the, the reception and say, another couple hours, you'll be out of here and all this stress and all that. You'll be counting your money and on your honeymoon. So I, you know, I used to always tell them that. But that's what you focus on, the honeymoon. Wrestling, we have a lot of wrestlers here, and I was thinking about this with wrestling. Wrestling season is tough. 
It's tough. You can't eat what you want to eat. And you don't get a lot of sleep Saturday morning, all these tournaments. You get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to drive somewhere to be the, get, get to a weigh-in. You don't get any sleep. You don't get to eat. What are you focusing on? Ask Coach Joe. What are you focusing on? The end of the season. You can eat and sleep. You know, and, and that's what you focus. But that's, that's when we're going through this. Keep that focus. Keep the focus. Living by faith, depending on God. But the focus is keeping our hearts and our minds on heaven. I believe God allows us to go through storms and crises in this life to refocus us. What do we start to do? We start to focus on really stupid things. We start to see things that are, we start to see earthly things that are really important. And they're really not, are they? Unless they have eternal impact, unless there's an eternal reason for them. And I believe he allows the storms and the crisis in this life to refocus us, to get our eyes on heaven and on him. Every time we go through these hard things in our life, what does it do? It weans us off of earth and it keeps turning us to Jesus, keeps turning us to heaven, keeps turning us to where he wants us to go. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Maybe he's speaking to us through something that the teens shared and from the retreat. Maybe you're here today and you're going through something, and if you aren't, you're going to be. We all are. Are we surviving and thriving? Are we seeing God's power and purpose? Are we living by faith here and keeping our eyes on heaven, our ultimate destination? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? While we're praying about that, I want to ask those who are here who maybe aren't sure if they're going to heaven. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Do you know for sure you're going to be with God as your father someday? Not as a judge, but as your father. There's only one way. Through Jesus. Through faith in Jesus. Have you put your faith in him? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in him? Not just in the mind, but the word in the Greek is, is much deeper. It means your heart faith. Giving your life to him. Complete dependence. Are you ready to do that today? You can have life now. You can start eternal life now here, right today, and have it forever with God someday. If you'll put your faith in his son Jesus who died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin, to pay the price for our rebellion. He was a substitute in our place. He ransomed us. And all we need to do is put our faith in him, surrender our life to him, Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning?
to take that step of faith. You can do that right now with a prayer of faith. God, I repent of my sin. I don't want it anymore. I turn away from my old life. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus, your son. I'm putting my faith in what he did for me by dying and coming back to life. I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, you are going to heaven. (laughs) But even more importantly, you can abide with God right now. You have fellowship with God now through his son Jesus every day. Holy Spirit is inside of you. And I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a friend or family member here. You want to tell me on the way out. Let somebody know. Fill out the card, drop in the box, email, text. Let somebody know. Because we are going to be so excited for you. And we're going to encourage you and help you grow in your new faith. You've just become a little baby in Christ. And we'll help you grow and help you understand who you are in Christ now. Father, I pray for each one of us. I know every one of us is facing pressure and stress and crises and stormy seas in our life, and we know that's part of life, living on this earth, this planet. Lord, I pray that we, each of us, would not just survive, but we would thrive because of our faith, because we're living by faith, because we're focused on you in heaven, the finish line. I pray that this would be a great encouragement to each one of us. A great encouragement in every obstacle we face and knockdown we face and every time we're knocked down and kicked, it would just be a reminder that this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. I pray you give us that encouragement that by living by faith we can see your power and purpose in our life, and in our trials too. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.